As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Conversations from the front lines of marketing. This is B2B Growth. Welcome back to B2B Growth. I'm your host, Benji Block. Today, I am joined by Christine Switzer. She is over marketing and communications at Ridgeline. Christine, welcome into B2B Growth. Hi, Benji. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you have worked with a number of large, old, notable companies. And you are in the midst of a new challenge, a startup. And you're looking to bring some much needed change and kind of overhaul really to an industry. So tell us right here at the top, Christine, what you're working on this new venture and maybe what excites you most about about the work you're doing. Sure. Yeah. So I spent probably the last decade at a combination of some Fortune 500, like total household names, tons of heritage, lots of brand recognition there. And in the for the last year, I've been at Ridgeline, which is a early stage financial technology startup. So um, a little bit different, <laughs> um, just from just from a marketing standpoint. But it's an incredibly exciting opportunity. So Ridgeline is the industry cloud platform for investment management. So we are offering the investment management industry something that has not previously been available to them, a completely holistic solution for their technology on a single platform. Mm-hmm. Prior to Ridgeline, their options have been much more disparate and disjointed, and they've had to come up with different sort of like patches and workarounds and um, things that lead to a lot of frustration um, in their day-to-day operations. So one thing that's been incredibly exciting and just energizing about coming to Ridgeline is that I don't think I've ever been part of an organization that the audience, our target audience is just so receptive Hmm. to what we're doing. Like when we tell them our value proposition, I mean, we see genuine excitement and there's just this like, we're all sort of just like levitating from this, this like level of anticipation that we're feeling from our target. And you know, it's just, it's really motivating as a B2B marketer to, to feel like you are authentically filling a void in a Mm -hmm. landscape for your target audience. They actually, they need this and they recognize that they need this. And, um, that doesn't, and I should caveat because that doesn't mean it's easy to sell this product. <laughs> and we'll, I know we'll talk about that today. But I think what it does is sort of remedy some of that cognitive dissonance that as a marketer, we sometimes have around selling something that 
know, maybe our hearts aren't like fully in, but I just, that has not been the case with Ridgeline. It's, um, it's very easy to see our value proposition is very compelling to our target and that, you know, that makes it a little bit easier for me to sleep at night and for me to get up and go to work in the morning and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's energizing for sure. Okay. So on one hand, people know that they need it, but I'll quote you here because you said that much of the work you're doing in marketing and communications these days is, and this is, I love how you said this. You said, we're trying to figure out how do we sell a brain transplant and heart surgery? And I think that'll resonate with our audience who has has to convince an industry maybe kind of set in their ways or just because it it could be slow moving and there can be multiple people in the decision-making process, man, we have this new tool, this new tech, like it's helpful, but how do we actually navigate messaging and targeting, right? So expand on what you meant by that statement. How do I sell brain transplant and heart surgery? Wait, you don't want to sign up for that right now? (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and pass, I think, in the immediate, but I'm sure you'll convince me otherwise, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I feel like I opened just very strong on how our audience, our, our market sort of recognizes that they need this. But at the same time, even if you, even if your doctor says, Hey, you need this surgery, you're not like thrilled about it, right? About what you're going to go to, to get there. So actually, let me give a little background on kind of the history of Ridgeline. We haven't been around all that long, but I think it's helpful to know that for, for your listeners. So originally was founded by an individual named Dave Duffield. He's an iconic software entrepreneur. He founded PeopleSoft. He founded Workday. And what he is really successful at is recognizing these like very juicy business problems, these sort of like systemic to an industry issues and throwing all the necessary resources against them to, to solve it with like very cutting edge, sort of like nascent technologies that maybe have not um, had universal adoption yet. So what we're doing for investment management is not like a band-aid fix. It's not like we're taking tech towards like a little bit of some of the pain or some of the issues in the industry. It's really this like enterprise scale, kind of like the whole enchilada reimagining hmm. of what could we do if we could do this better. And so originally we call this like the hard stuff, but we, we certainly recognize that for our, our customers, for our target audience, this is also very hard for them in the sense that it's, it's really daunting that even if we're giving them change that they're asking for and change that they want, it still feels scary. So I think long answer to your question, I think that what we're doing is akin to like what a doctor would have to do, right? We would have to explain that it's really a matter of survival. Like you need this because it's a matter of survival, right? So like, yes, there is short-term discomfort that I think anyone that is in the business of selling technology would be familiar with because companies get so entrenched in the technology that they use. And a lot of our customers and a lot of this industry have been using the same tech for decades decades. And so, you know, like you just understand inherently without having to explain like why that's so challenging. But I think like when I say matter of survival, a lot of that is that the industry is beginning to recognize that like digital transformation is coming. 
right? Mm -hmm. And it's unavoidable. So they are realizing that there is a possibility of, of, of that kind of idea of like being left behind. Like if you don't embrace it and you don't recognize um, this change that's coming and that's being really embraced by the early adopters of the industry, that you will be a little bit left out in the cold potentially. So um, so that helps, I think, is, is being able to talk to people who see that coming and who who understands that. The other thing is just really like knowing their pain and being super fluent in that. So understanding their pain is is really what our role is as a marketer, right? So that we can translate into the solution to that pain. And so we're kind of trying to convince them that we understand that pain. We are the right people to do it. And that sort of gives a foundation to like become an easier proposition to go through this like really <laughs> brutal surgery, if you will. Yeah. So the industry feels the tension. They they have this lack of technology. You got good marketing can help put that finger on the tension, leads them in a better way, right? But much of your work, and you're alluding to this, is convincing companies that it's worth the change. It's worth the risk. Everyone kind of has maybe their unique approach to address some of those splinters that their ICP is feeling. I'd love to hear what you guys are learning around that, what you're trying around that to remove some of those splinters that they they may feel. Yeah, I think I think principally we consider this a bit of like a three-legged stool. So mm-hmm. the first one is is our product, right? So the actual the actual product that we are selling to them. We built this product in collaboration with our early customers. So it reflects their voice because it was built in collaboration with them. This is not us telling them what they need. This is them telling us um, what they need, what's painful to them, what is driving them crazy about their legacy platforms. And then us you know, developing that solution that they can test, that they can feel, that they can experience for themselves. And then continuing through that development stage with us, through beta testing and, and refining it with us to to deliver them what they have told us that they need. So that's part of it is, you know, a really, really informed product development process. The second thing is, I think our hiring, we have been able to be super intentional about hiring a mix of talent from like big tech, you know, like big tech world in combination with domain experts that have like lived and breathed this stuff, usually at in companies uh, that are that are now considered competitors of ours, but that have done this for like thirty years. And then we throw in a mix of a lot of really young, fresh talent that just is innovative by nature, like doesn't have any baggage because they haven't necessarily been in this world very long. That just infuses all this like really fresh thinking. And so I think that the third part of it is like. We say that we are a clean sheet of paper type company. So what's been really cool is that some of these, um, they're now leadership at our company, but before joining Ridgeline, they've told us that they used to have these like water cooler daydream chatter with each other about like, you know, what if we could just like start over on this? And Ridgeline is giving them that opportunity. And it is like, it is a very strong gravitational pull for people who have lived in this industry for a long time and seen sort of the faults and have, have dreamed about the opportunity to, to kind of re-envision it and take a fresh approach. So it's compelling for talent. And then it's also very compelling once we sort of explain this approach and what Ridgeline has been doing and, and the way we've gone after this, like 
the audience gets it. Like our prospects have been burned by legacy technology and can feel that Ridgeline is, is doing something quite different. Like, you know, we're kind of, I think, I hope that like, we're kind of passing the sniff test a little bit because everyone <laughs> can smell BS when it comes to marketing, right? Like we're all conditioned to, to tune out a cell, but I think and hope that Ridgeline is delivering them something that, that feels compelling and different. Let me ask you a follow-up question because as a marketer who has worked for some of these bigger, older companies and now having this experience with these three areas that you just identified, is there one that's extremely refreshing to you specifically right now as a marketer that you just feel like, man, this is this is nice to be in this space and, and be in a startup culture or whatever? I think they're all refreshing, but probably probably the one that is going to be the most powerful for us, I think in the long run is that collaborative development process, right? So like building this with your end user, nothing can, can add more value to a product than that, right? Like we didn't create this in a vacuum and then say, here, take this, you want this. We asked them and we said, build this with us, like share our vision. Do you share a vision? If you do, like, would you be willing to participate in what we really see as kind of like revolutionizing their industry and rewriting that future together? And not everyone's going to be into that, right? Like that's much more of an early adopter mindset and mentality. The the pragmatists are going to be like, hold on, need more evidence. I'll be over here waiting to see how this turns out. But, but there, there is enough, um, sort of like critical mass and critical interest in doing this that uh, we have been able to build traction. So that's been very cool to see. You mentioned early adopters. I believe there's 17 early adopters. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's kind of too early for case studies or be like, here's our showcase, right? I, I imagine that makes this a bit challenging and people will resonate with that. How has that been? to like identify those early adopters and then basically what are you, what's the next stage from there? Yeah. Yeah, it's right. I mean, we don't have that gold standard. We we are pretty far away from being able to do true value engineering and like land on a nice neat case study. Would love to be there. We'll hopefully, you know, we'll we'll reconnect in a year and we will have that. But um in the meantime, um I think that we are just thinking of each customer as the potential for a very long-term relationship. So like with Ridgeline, this is the type, again, I mentioned that the the legacy technology, in a lot of cases, these customers have been sitting with this technology for decades. And when Ridgeline replaces that technology, we will be with them for decades is the hope and the goal. So this is not an impulse buy. We recognize that this is like a really long-term and considered process. So I think we approach it that way too. Like we see this as a partnership um, that's going to last for a lot of years. And, you know, your audience knows this, you know this, like you can't ask someone to trust you, right? Like you have to earn that trust. Um, And I think that we are fortunate because we can actually be a bit more patient about that process of earning trust. And big component of that is that we're privately funded. So we don't have, unlike a lot of startups, we don't have like investors who are, you know, breathing down our neck and asking us to, to deliver upsides immediately. Like there's, there's some freedom in that because while we're pushing extremely hard, we aren't going to put out a product that isn't ready. And we're not going to put something out that won't bring significant value to our customers. And so like we feel that our reputation is staked on that and ultimately our customers' reputation is staked on that. So it's in our best interest to 
execute with excellence. And it's in our best interest to earn their trust. So I think like we call it taking the long view at Ridgeline, this, this sort of like unique, like slow burn, make sure the technology is just absolutely polished before kind of like putting our foot on the gas too hard and acquiring too many customers too early on, or like just, you know, growing a little bit big for our britches when we're not quite ready for that. So again, we've been fortunate to tap into some early adopters who just recognize how transformative this will be. And like, they're all in, right? Like they, they see that we're taking a patient approach. Like a lot of times the contracts in this industry are years long. So that's a benefit to us too, is like, they're willing to extend some of that patience back to us because because they you know they may not need to RFP their current technology for a couple of years. Hey everybody, Olivia here. As a member of the Sweetfish sales team, I wanted to take a second and share something that makes us insanely more efficient. Our team uses Lead IQ. So for those of you who are in sales or sales ops, let me give you some context. You know how long gathering contact data can take. So long. And with Lead IQ, what once took us four hours to do now takes us just one. That is 75% more efficient. We are so much quicker with outbound prospecting and organizing our campaigns is so much easier than before. I suggest you guys check it out as well. You can find them at leadiq.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-Q.com. Alrighty. Let's jump back into the show. A lot of times the contracts in this industry are years long. So that's a benefit to us too, is like they're willing to extend some of that patience back to us because they, you know, they may not need to RFP their current technology for a couple of years. Okay. So were these early adopters from previous relationship or what was the marketing strategy there? And how does that maybe change from these first 17 to like the next wave that you're going to go after? Yes. Great question. We think about that a lot. Our customer adoption curve, um, actually our entire company thinks about it, which is, which is kind of nice. We're a company of about 300, but we were all given a copy of the Jeffrey Moore book called Crossing the Chasm. I don't know if your your audience has read this, but it's like classic, classic marketing book. And he actually came and spoke, well, I should say remotely, he spoke remotely to Ridgeline last year. Um, And so the whole company, which is 85% engineers and product development folks like got to hear this sort of like icon of marketing explain to them that there is a gulf between the early adopter mindset and then the folks who are just by nature more visionary don't require that more traditional evidence and then that second wave which are the pragmatists like they need proof right so like as a marketer what do we do so we're getting a little bit i would say creative in what constitutes proof like we're pre-value engineering, we don't have the case study, but what we do have is, you know, we have very proven track records from the people that are running our company. So these are not young kids right out of school with a cool idea. These are people that have really like led different industries uh, with technology before. So I think that's comforting. That's very helpful in your industry specifically as well. I think that's extremely important to note. In finance, do you mean yeah. like financial services? Yep. Yes, I agree. I agree because they um they're more conservative by nature, right? So yep. like they want I'll use the phrase like they want adults in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Like they want to know that the company is being is being run uh, by people with experience. So there's that. 
we do have testimonials. We're actually using testimonials anonymously right now um, with permission. We're using them anonymously, but they do, they're just very powerful. You can really feel the enthusiasm and the excitement. We are also, you know, we've won a couple of awards, which has been nice. LinkedIn recognized us as a top startup. So that's something that, you know, we we obviously communicate as marketers. And then lastly, I think it's it gets the product, right? Like what we're building is very complex and very hard to do. And if it, if it wasn't hard, like we wouldn't be a threat to the incumbents, but we have, like someone has decided to tackle this and originally is tackling this. So when you show them a demo of the product, um, I think their, you know, their jaws just drop because they're like, wow, you're really doing it. You're really taking on these like really just naughty, messy, complicated parts of financial services like accounting. I mean, you don't need to work in financial services to know that like an entire accounting system would be like very hard to create from scratch and to join that with other functional areas so that all of this could be done on one platform. And I will give a slight plug because I think your audience will appreciate this and think maybe it's kind of funny. Uh, We recently launched a new website. So just within like the last couple months, we launched a website. And as a marketer, you know that like optics matter, right? So my part of my early process um, with developing the, the site was like looking, just doing an analysis of maybe 25 like big tech, big industry, big enterprise sites, as well as like big names in the in the tech and startup space, just to be like, what do, what do these guys do? You know? So, and I did this, this analysis to be like, how do you lay out your homepage and like, where are you putting, what's in your footer and what does your drop-down nav consist of? And so I started to recognize these patterns and these commonalities that we, I kind of created this model for our website based on that because we're a new company, but I wanted to create the first impression. If you come to our website, like, look, the website's not closing the sale, right? These are very long-term considered purchases. But what the the website can do is create that sort of subliminal first impression of like, okay, this isn't a flash in the pan. Like it's a startup, but these people are serious about it. And it was important to me to create a website for Ridgeline that reflects where we want to be, that kind of reflects our aspirations of sort of the future state of our company, even if maybe the current state is like, it it would maybe feel like a little premature to put us in the same category as some of those companies right now. Hmm. I wonder, how do you balance that? How do you balance where you are with... Because marketing is partially like you're pulling people into a future, but you're also... I mean, they're going to get behind the marketing and they're going to get to just like where you guys are right now. Like that's that's always the the push and pull. How do you think about that? Where you are now versus where you want to be? Does that make sense? It does. I think we're so fortunate because we have leadership that has been there. Like whenever things start to feel a little bit hairy, like a little bit like, God, this just feels so challenging and potentially insurmountable. And this is just like the, the biggest, hardest thing. It's really comforting for us internally to, to have leadership that can say, look, we've been there, right? Like this is part of it. Like going from zero to one is the biggest thing in software, right? So like once you've gone from zero to one, going from one to four, going from four to 20, it's just, it's not as hard. You've kind of like started rolling downhill at that point. So I think there's that sort of 
you know, I keep saying comfort, but there is that sort of element of like, okay, there's, we are surrounded by people who have been through this before and are here to like be on the other side saying, it's okay, we're going to get there. And, um, I think, I think an aspect of that extends to how we communicate with our customers too. Again, I said like one of, you know, one of our strategic legs here is, is talking about our leadership and our domain expertise. Um, and I think for the early adopters, that's something they gravitate towards too. It's like, okay, you guys have done this before. Like you, you're not going to be caught off guard. There's not going to be as many surprises and you will, you will like navigate through those in a way that ends successfully. Hmm. Okay. So we move from the 17 or so that you guys are at right now to moving forward. It's a hyper targeted approach, basically 200 accounts. We're going to we know who we want to go after, essentially. What does that type of personalization look like? Because, so I mean, there's going to be listeners that are in an account-based marketing approach, but this is, this is hyper-targeted. So, so talk to me a little bit about what that looks like and the personalization there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking in like low double digits right now as far as customers. And that, that will change. Like that will change by factors of 10, factors of 100 um, within the next couple of years. But right now, I think we want to set ourselves and our, our early customers up for success. And so we have created kind of a methodology using publicly available data to say, this is what our target firm looks like. Like we have these profiles that are very tightly defined on for our industry, it's things like assets under management and things like number of accounts they have at their firm. Um, but, but we, we feel confident that if we're able to engage them in a conversation that we can say like the product we have right now is ready for you. The product we've built right now was built for you by people that do the exact thing that you do and that look quite a bit like you. So I, you know, that might be an interesting principally for your audience just to think sort of about like solving, don't try to be everything to everyone, but like be comfortable with embracing a very small target audience and like precisely attuned to their needs and build success there before trying more of like a mass market or blanket approach. And you asked about personalization. So that's something that, you know, right now, like, yes, we are dialing up our brand profile in general. And we want, we want the industry to be aware of who Ridgeline is. But at the same time, we're not quite ready for our door to be beaten down by prospective firms because Mm -hmm. we may not have a product that's ready for them quite yet. We will get there, but we want to ensure that it's like a great experience for them. So we, we don't want them to necessarily queue up with us and have to wait for years. Like we want to talk to the firms that are, that are kind of ready for us and vice versa. So, um, but when we do find a firm that feels like it's in that sweet spot, we, we really like woo them. We joke internally that we just get sort of like very creepy with these firms. <laughs> it's because of the amount of research that we do. So we get around a table, like our go-to-market team, our marketing team's only three people, but our go-to-market team will join us in these brainstorms. And we just, we do as much research and then just throw ideas out about like thoughtful and clever ways that we can make a connection. I mean, I think it's a little bit akin to like, if you met someone at a cocktail party and you're trying to find that common ground with them to just be relatable and to to like build something that you can potentially start a relationship with. Like that's how, that's how we think about how we're approaching our early customers. Give me, give me um, an example. 
Okay. Yes. So this one's really notorious in our company. So we are headquartered in Lake Tahoe. If your listeners have have had the opportunity to to be there, hopefully they know it's like a it's just an aesthetic gem in this country. Like it's an Instagram <laughs> goldmine. Like you can't take a bad picture. So we live in this world of like very tall pine trees and mountains and, and big boulders in the Blue Lake. And um, but we happen to have the world's largest pine cones. They're native to this area, and I mean. I shouldn't say large, I say longest. So basically like from your elbow to your fingertips, that is a good approximation of the size of the pine cone. That's yeah. crazy. And so <laughs> we so we actually packaged some up and sent them to firms that we were really interested in connecting with. And fun fact, it has worked for us. So <laughs> in our early cohort of, um, of customers, we have a customer who we sent a pipe code to, and they're now one of our customers and they're signing up for the surgery, right? That we talked about earlier. Yep. So obviously it's become like a huge inside joke with them, but it, it is just kind of funny that as a marketer, like if you, if you just sort of like break the mold and step back and think about like, I'm just a human talking to another human, mm-hmm. like what would interest them? What would be fun? What would be supplies? What would surprise and delight them? You really like break into this new creative space. It's like surprise, delight, and sometimes like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we call that the the kind of what the heck, maybe not as nice terms, but yeah. that is nice language, but we do call that, that, you, you know, a little bit of a head scratcher can sometimes work too. You mentioned you guys have three marketers right now? <laughs> yes. Okay. So with a team like that, like how, when you're thinking of, I mean, because personalization takes time, you're, you're mentioning these meetings. Let's just go practical for a second. Like, how are you actually executing on this this strategy, like allotting time when there's yeah. few hands on the team? Yeah, super small team. Actually, there's only three of us. One of them just joined. And then myself and the other marketer, we've been on the team for just a year. So mm-hmm. this is like kind of a new Fresh. phenomenon for Ridgeline in general to have a, a dedicated marketing presence. But I think what's great is that I mentioned earlier, we have a larger go-to-market team that's inclusive of business development and corporate strategy. And one of the things I really have appreciated about Ridgeline is everyone's just so in it. And by that, I mean, they share this sense of accountability and the imperative that we're doing it right at each touch point that like no one is phoning it in. Like everyone is executing with excellence along the way. So it is in their best interest to to partner with marketing, to make sure that our ideas are on target, to make sure that the work that we're doing, if it eventually translates to them in sales, like they'll be proud to sort of like represent um, the work that we've done. So we work very collaboratively in that regard. But, you know, aside from that, we, we've we set up processes around this too, right? Because mm-hmm. like anytime you're launching into something like that, it's going to feel a little bit intimidating if you haven't sort of like set up you know, if you haven't infused some discipline in there too. So we do have, you know, we have weekly meetings and we have lots of spreadsheets that help keep us honest on all this stuff, but we're making it work. <laughs> I love pulling the curtain back. I love hearing about what you guys are, are thinking on this, trying on this. I want to end hyper practical here for our listeners to, to take this and, and be able to run with it. So let's go first. What are some of the results that you've seen from this approach versus maybe, you know, there's going to be listeners that are more into the content marketing side or, you know, there's different approaches. What are some of the results you've seen? Sure. Well, I think it's, it might be 
interesting to mention that I actually, in my last role, I did content marketing, right? Like that was my, that was my job for Mm -hmm. like five years. So it's funny to now be at Ridgeline where in some ways I've really returned to this, this very like fundamental place of thinking like a marketer. All I think about all day long is connecting with our target, which if you're leading a marketing organization, that should be what you're doing all day. But we all know that that is not what your day looks like. So easy to get sidetracked. Yep. So easy. And your day gets filled up with all the other stuff. So I think from a result standpoint, part of it is just is trusting the people that you work with. So our founder, Dave Duffield, really believes in like hiring the right people and getting out of their way. And there is a it's really imbued in our culture. There's this there's an openness to trying new things. And I think sometimes that's a good reminder to just be like, look, it's okay to try new things and it may not work out because when you're at a startup, everything is kind of new. Like, yes, you've maybe done it in, in a former role, but like you're, there's a, there's a forgiveness, I think for, for trying stuff and maybe not knowing exactly how it's going to work out. Yeah. And I think something else from, from like a results standpoint is if you're coming from a place of like real authenticity and honesty, it's going to work out well for you in general. I think that's maybe a life principle too. (laughs) For sure. But like we, you know, I mentioned earlier, like we see this as an opportunity to build relationships with these early firms. And we know this is a long-term proposition for them. So what we're trying to do right now is not just build, not just earn their loyalty, but we want to do the best thing that you could possibly do as a marketer, which is create evangelists. Like we want to turn this early subset of influencers in their industry into evangelists for Ridgeline to talk about how great of an experience they're having with us. And that may be the case even before they are operating off of our technology. So you can sort of engender that um, sense of trust and that sense of just sort of like competence in the industry, even before you're like, you're offering your technology to the entire industry. So I think that's where we're seeing positive results is just, just being really genuine and thinking of these as, as relationships. You mentioned your background in content marketing. I wonder if you could go back to that version of yourself, Christine, like, is there a piece of advice that you would, would give to those that are, you know, in that space or the, the younger version of you? Yes. Well, younger Christine. So, well, yes, I I think there's some, there's a concept that we talk about at Ridgeline called radical candor. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is like this sort of respectful honesty about what is, what is still serving us? What is continuing to serve us? What is maybe not serving us as well anymore? And where do we need to focus to be successful? And if you are out of alignment with what the core business needs are, then I think that's a really like healthy principle that I would have liked to have known maybe earlier in my career is like, is what I'm doing a box check or is what I'm doing truly driving business value? Because just day to day, it's going to be more satisfying, meaningful to you to, to know that the efforts that you're making are contributing to sort of the greater good. And you don't have to like, twist yourself into knots to justify like, well, I'm doing this, which like kind of contributes towards this. And there's KPI here, which ladders up kind of to this. Mm -hmm. If it feels a little bit closer and more authentic to the mission of your company, then I think you're going to derive more satisfaction out of your efforts. Last question for you before we close it out. But if someone is listening to this whole conversation 
and they're going to walk away with an action item from Christine. What do you want that action item to be? What should we be focused on as, as we leave this episode? Okay, so maybe two things, if you'll allow me two things. I think one is just a reminder that being authentic and genuine and understanding that you're just a person talking to another person at the end of the day. And that like, if it doesn't, if what you're, if your tactic is not going to work on you, then like, it's probably not going to work on anyone else, right? So I think that's, that's healthy because we sort of like get ourselves into the space where we're talking about like, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to change the color on this banner ad or whatever. And that'll, that'll change, you know, that'll like change performance dramatically. And sometimes it's, it's healthy just to step back and, and see like, okay, you know, and marketers, we really have an advantage, right? Like we have performance data. So there's no way that any of us should get complacent in what we're doing. We should always be just hypercritical and vigilant about how we're spending our days and whether it's working. Because if you're not doing that, then you're settling for mediocrity and you are probably spending time on things that are not serving you any longer. And I also just, I just want to sort of encourage people that like, if you're a marketer, in my opinion, we are a very sort of clever and strategic group. And so, you know, we do sort of deserve a seat at the table in an organization because I like to think that if you put a marketer up against just about any business challenge, we're going to think of maybe interesting and creative and unexpected ways to approach it. So, you know, give yourself a little bit, a little bit of credit for you're not just a marketer, you're like a business strategist and you should really think about your role as such. Mm, That's great. I love this conversation. Thank you for spending time and giving away some of your wisdom and what you guys are learning at Ridgeline right now. Uh, For those that want to connect with you and the company, what's the best way to go about that? Yeah. So would welcome connections. Look me up on LinkedIn at Christine Switzer. And I mentioned we we recently launched a new website. So check out RidgelineApps.com. Would love to know what your listeners think about that. I kind of divulge my secrets about how how we got to that place. So welcome feedback there. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending time on B2B growth. And for our listeners, if you have yet to subscribe to the podcast, make sure you do that on whatever platform you're on right now. You can connect with me on LinkedIn as well, having conversations about marketing, business, and life over there all the time. And uh, we love these conversations because hopefully it's helping fuel your growth and innovation. Ultimately, that's why we're here as a show. That's why Christine and I showed up today and and took the time to record this. And so, hey, keep doing work that matters. And we'll be back real soon with another episode. Thanks, Christine. Thank you, Benji. That was a pleasure. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.